Okay, we have Jim Livingston on the phone, and Jim is a photographer. You might know him or seen his stuff around as the Route 66. He has been all over Texas taking photos of Route 66 and taking photos of storms. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Katie. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great, too. You know, it's a rainy day here in Alaska, and it's always fun to connect with my friends down in the great state of Texas. Kind of rival states there, you know. We always kind of make jokes about the, if, uh, you know, the size of Alaska versus Texas. So yeah, it's true, you know. And we get a lot of Texas folks up here hunting at this time of year. It's a time of people are harvesting their meat for the winter, and it's a it's just fall is already in the air here. We put our sweaters on, and you guys are putting your fans on and sweating. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We're still in the middle of uh, hundred degree temperatures down here where I'm at. So. Wow. Well, uh, Jim, you have a lot of things to be proud of, and I've seen your artwork, and it's just stunning. You do incredible photography. How many years have you been a photographer? Well, I started off in photography. Um, Katie, I got somebody at the front door. My dog's going to go crazy. Okay, never mind. We got it. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. It was a UPS man. He was delivering calendars, so that's kind of exciting. Oh, yay. Uh, I started off in photography when I was 14. My first camera was a Pentax K1000 and uh, did film into the late 90s. Uh, did a little stint as a photojournalist, but um, decided to go into social work when my uh, son was born. Um, and I did social work for about 25 years. And I did uh, kind of burned out of social work. I did some, I did real um, hardcore clients. Most of my clients were uh, really dealt with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. It really wasn't the clients that burned me out. It was the system that burned me out. I really loved my clients. And then I did uh, legal work for about, oh, I don't know, five years or so and burned out a bit. And I picked up the camera mostly because social work in the legal world had left me really cynical and I needed to uh, see what's beautiful in the world again. And so I picked up the camera and I started doing landscape photography. I came to Amarillo in 2013. Amarillo has a great little junior college with a really good, good photography program. And, uh, you know, I, I knew everything I needed to know about film. I can develop film. I can, you know, work in the dark room, whatever, I can, whatever. But I didn't know anything about the digital world. And so I came back to school. Um, and like I was the oldest, oldest person in the classroom except for the teacher, and I think I was actually older than most of my teachers, and uh, learned what I needed to do to get into the digital world. So 2013, kind of played it, uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the photography for two years. And in 2015, I got real serious about being a professional uh, fine art photographer. Well, your your work makes you think that you've been at this for, you know, a long, long time. So I'm really impressed. And it, a lot of it shows that I think being a good photographer is the desire to get out and be on the move. Tell us a little bit about some of your night sky photography. Well, here, um, it's really interesting. I, I live in the middle of the panhandle of Texas. And so people who drive through the panhandle, people who are going, you know, like, from Oklahoma City to Albuquerque, they their impression of the Panhandle is that it's just flat as can be. We're in the middle of the Great Plains, uh, so you know a lot of grassland, very few trees, and right in the middle of that is America's second largest canyon system. Paladura Canyon is 117 miles long, and in places it's uh, close to a thousand foot deep. So uh, 
doing photography down in the canyon because it's just gorgeous. It's just beautiful southwest landscapes, you know, towers of rock and just gorgeous. And um, I was there one night, and I could the Milky Way was just as brilliant as it could be. And I got, I I wanted to photograph the Milky Way so bad, but nighttime photography is kind of counterintuitive um, to daytime photography. And so I became obsessed with taking pictures of the canyon, the rock formations against the nighttime sky. And um, so I actually started doing, that's where most of my major commercial fine art photography came from, was when people began to see that those nighttime pictures of Palabra Canyon with the Milky Way. Wow. Uh, and so that, that kind of really kind of ushered me into actually making money on fine art photography was being able to do that. Well, that reminds me. Tell us, um, how can people um, find your work? What's your website? JimLivingstonArts.com. Um, it's just JimLivingstonArts.com. And I'll, I'll tell you a kind of funny thing is it used to be Jim Livingston Photography. But I get criticized by a lot of photographers because I do a lot of uh, compositing um, you know, I might take a moon from one night and put it in a picture on a different night. Um, I very early on, I made the decision that I didn't really want to do photojournalism. I didn't want to show you what I was looking at. I wanted to show you what I felt. And, um, so I, I kind of approach photography in a little bit different, um, uh, than you and a lot of photographers in that I don't really look at my camera as my art. I look at my camera as a tool of my art. And so it's Jim Livingston art instead of Jim Livingston photography. Well, you know, that's an interesting transformation there. And I, I can see that you want to just be who you are. And I think that's what makes you unique. And one of your gifts in your uh, art, I think, is your ability to connect with people. So I think your work as a social, your background as a social worker has really enabled you as a photographer to in a way, you know, to, when you go and do these special shows on Route 66, and recently, the Cadillac Cafe was a big deal in your world. Tell us a little bit about that. The Cadillac Ranch. Or the Cadillac um, Ranch. Right, right outside of Amarillo was an art institution, uh, art installation, not institution. Um, it's famous worldwide to a lot of people. A lot of people have never even heard of it. But uh, back in 1974, a uh, public or a art art collective there were a couple of artists they were known as the ant farm and they approached a millionaire here in texas about uh, using his property and what they did was they buried 10 cadillacs ranging from 1949 to 1963 uh, and um, some people kind of liken it to car hinge you know you've got these 10 cadillacs sticking out of the ground and it was meant to be an ongoing art installation. So uh, people are actually invited to graffiti the Cadillacs. And um, we get about 1.3 million visitors per year. And it's just off of Route 66. It's not actually on Route 66. So it's just off of the old historic highway. And, um, you know, that's becoming quite a thing now is to travel from Chicago to L.A. on Route 66. And so it actually attracts just a huge number of people that stop and put their uh, put their mark on Cadillac Ranch. So I've done a lot of photography out there. It's uh, really wonderful uh, to go out there and see these masterpieces of graffiti, but they never last because people come along and just kind of graffiti right over the top of it. And so it's an ever-changing art installation. It's really weird, these 10 Cadillacs, you know, the tail end of them sticking out of the ground. 
But um, recently I did a limited edition print, which is selling pretty nicely. You know, there's only 100 of them on gold medals, which are which actually have a piece of the Cadillac Ranch on them. We took the, we took the, uh, the inches thick graffiti paint and uh, created jeweled chips. So you actually see the graffiti on the, on, the, on the limited edition print. Well, I saw that, and that was so clever of you. And I think it, it reminds me of just, uh, you know, taking a slice of time and preserving it in art form. And there's something really magical about what you've just described as the graffiti always changes. Now, one thing that artists and photographers have maybe a hard time balancing is uh, being the artist or photographer while also being a business person. Now, Jim has joined a group called Art Storefronts in 2017, and this company has greatly helped him grow his photography business. One of the things that he highlights of the strengths of this company is they help artists market their work. And while there's a lot of uh, platforms out there, to have build websites and so forth, there is not quite one that matches the marketing department and the customer service of Art Storefronts. Jim is going to tell us a little bit about why he um, has been so happy with this company. You know, uh, I learned early on with art, um, there's a huge difference between making art and selling art. Uh, so oftentimes artists feel like, oh, I'm going to make this art, it's just going to sell. And... Um, it doesn't, and the reason it doesn't is because um, making art and selling art are two different skill sets. In getting people to look at your art and actually selling it, actually being able to work through the process of helping that person make a decision as to what's the best art for their home or their office or whatever, that's an entirely different skill set than making the art. And so right away I found um, that I that – I, that I lacked those skills to know how to properly market my art. And I, I looked at a couple of different things. I looked at some different websites, um, Zenfolio and Smugbug, and those are really wonderful websites. I, I don't mean to knock them in any way, shape, or form, but they didn't teach me how to do the marketing. They had some tips and tutorials, but not as in-depth as Art Storefront. So when I signed up for Art Storefronts, the, the biggest reason that I signed up for Art Storefronts was their focus on marketing. They really, uh, the website is a great website, um, but that's not really what I'm really most impressed about with Art Storefronts. Like I said, I'm not knocking the website at all. That's really sure. a great website. But there's a lot of great website providers out there. What Art Storefronts does is they just go overboard in teaching you how to market your art. And not just on the website. I mean, there's a, they have whole tutorials on how to do an art show or how to go to an art fair and things like that. Um, one of the things that impressed me most was when the pandemic hit, COVID hit, they didn't just uh, respond to the pandemic. They got out ahead of the pandemic because they realized that the, the typical way of artists, you know, working in galleries and doing art shows and craft shows and things like that wasn't going to work. And so... They have, they're just miles ahead of the competition as far as teaching people how to market. And that's the, that's the thing that I think most artists lack is skills on how to market their art. Well, you know, it's really common. And, and it, being an artist is some, you know, just sometimes people are, you know, they just have the right side and left side of the brain. And it's hard to stay organized on top of it all and create and so forth. And so they, they do have that art marketing calendar that they can just, tell people what to do every day of the week. And it really helps for people that are, 
you know, either lost their jobs or, or at home working on their lockdown or, um, you know, feeling kind of down and out. And it, if you have something that is a goal that you can practice out of your home with your own tools, it's very empowering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's even it's more. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, we've got one of the members of uh, Magic and I can't even pronounce his last name. It's a big, long Polish last name. He's he's such a neat guy, but he lives like up in a, up in uh, Canada, and he's like three hundred miles from the nearest big city. And he's doing a great great business right out of his own home. Have to the big art fairs and stuff like that. So it's uh, with art storefronts, um, you know, you can do everything right from your own home. Jim, you are a one brave guy. You are well known as your photography from being a storm chaser. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, one of my very first uh, mentors in digital photography is a guy by the name of Ben Jacoby. So if you look up uh, Ben Jacoby photography, the guy is absolutely phenomenal. He's probably one of the best weather photographers that I know and uh, he invited me to go along storm chasing back in 2013 and I was absolutely hooked um, the, and you know part of it is the Texas sky I mean we have wide open spaces and so you don't have a lot of uh, obstruction of the sky so you can see the entire storm down here and it just you know the, the, the clouds and the sunset and the drama of the tornadoes forming and the structure of the clouds it's just absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. I mean, it's just, it, and it's addictive. It really is addictive to, it's like fishing or hunting, you know. I mean, you don't get one every time. You might see a tornado every fourth or fifth time, or, you know, you may get great photos every uh, every second time you go out. So there's a, there's a certain element of addiction to it that you just uh, start getting really uh, in love with the sky like that. Well, it, it is got to be incredibly exciting that, you know, up here in Alaska, some of our exciting events are floods and we live right next to the big Talkeetna River and we get, we've had a lot of, um, you know, floods here that just, you just can't even imagine how the hell that water can come out of the mountains and, and uh, it's, you know, we've had to evacuate our kids out of the house with a raft before. <laughs> oh, wow. Holy smokes, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it kind of comes gradually and you know you get water and then you start moving things around and then you know the rains keep coming down and it's this time of year where it usually happens it's usually early fall so we have um, marks on some of our outbuildings of where the water line was and people we're not even like right next to the river so it's really um, amazing what mother nature can come up with one time i chased from um southern colorado all the way to corsicana texas it was like a 14-hour chase and by the time, and it was the same storm system. And by the time it got to Corsicana, Corsicana was completely flooded. I mean, that was a big part of the pictures was, you know, the streets were uh, flooded, the buildings were flooded. So I've seen a little bit of that, not to the scope and scale that you say, but uh, that you're talking about, but I've seen a little bit of it. It's amazing, the power of Mother Nature. We think we're in control in one tornado and hurricane, and we realize that we, we, we don't have any control. You know, it really is part of the day of age that we live in. And with climate change, we, we're getting these powerful storms that are just, you know, so, so powerful and so much more intense. Now, um, have you had any close calls when you've been out storm chasing? You know, um, the thing about storm chasing is it's dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And it's even dangerous if you do know what you're doing. Storms are unpredictable. Um, but really and truly, if you 
if you watch the radar and you know, I would I would tell anybody out there, never go storm chasing by yourself and never go especially by yourself or with somebody unless you've got somebody who actually can read the radar and understands the nature of storms. Um, that said, once you get kind of uh, a pretty solid knowledge of the storms, storm chasing isn't as dangerous as, as what you want to make it out to be because you can avoid those areas where the hail is and the tornadoes are you know, really dropping down. Um, I'm not one of those crazy storm chasers that likes to get right on top of the tornado or right on top of the hail core or anything like that. I, I, I have done that, but I've always done that with guys who are like professional meteorologists. Um, and I, I've been very fortunate to have quite a few friends who are that caliber of storm chasers. Yeah, I'd and say so. so. Yeah, I'm more the photographer. And so while I love the storms, I haven't invested into the education. And so I only do those kinds of storm chases when those guys that uh, have the education and know what they're really, really doing. That said, I've been right on top of tornadoes. I've been right on top of a couple of tornadoes within like a half a mile or less. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's like being in the shark tank, you know, with the great white sharks swimming around you or something like that. Um, to see that kind of power is really mesmerizing. It's, it's, and it's beautiful in its own way. Unfortunately, um, both of the tornadoes that I was that close to, we were out in the middle of uh, nowhere. So there was no property damage. There was no major damage to any cities or anything like that. And so it wasn't like I was watching this, you know, destructive uh, monster. Um, you know, I was actually watching something out of nature form, which was just incredibly beautiful. It was just wonderful. Wow. Well, where could people see photos of that? Can you tell us your website? JimLivingstonArt.com. JimLivingstonArt.com. Well, this is so exciting to have an opportunity to speak with you today, and we're going to keep this one uh, short and sweet. And um, with the wonderful beginning of September right upon us, I look forward to our next conversation, Jim. You bet, Katie, anytime. Thank you for listening to this interview with artist and photographer Jim Livingston of Armarillo, Texas. You can see Jim Livingston's art at Jim Livingston Art. Dot com. And today is the last day of August, August 31st. Thank you so much for tuning in to All Cooped Up Alaska. I'm Katie Ryder.